by Nahal Math with the Las Vegas Colel. Catalina Island is a beautiful island just off the coast of California. And in 1952, a young athlete named Florence Chadwick attempted to become the first woman to swim the 26-mile channel that separates Catalina Island with the California coast. One day, she gets into the water and starts swimming. After about 10 hours of her swim, a really thick fog settled in over the water. She couldn't see where she was going. Now, this was before the days of GPS. So although she had boats riding alongside her to make sure if anything were to go wrong, to help make sure she was safe and to, and to guide her, they couldn't figure out where they were. They had no idea if they were on the right course, how far they were from the coast of California. After swimming 16 hours, Florence Chadwick gave up. She was exhausted, physically, mentally, completely fatigued. She had no idea where she was. She had no idea how far she was from her goal. So she gave up and she went on, on board one of the boats and she quit. A few minutes after getting on board the boat, the fog lifted and lo and behold, they were less than a mile from the coast. Just a few hundred yards separated her from her 26 mile goal. Terribly disappointing. We find in the Torah, the book of Exodus, Sefer Shemos, we read about the Mishkan, the temple that the Jews had while they were wandering in the desert. And we read about the different kalim, the vessels that they had in the temple, as well as that they would have in the Beis Hamikdash, and the temple that they would ultimately have in Jerusalem. And we read about three of the most important of the kalim, of the most important vessels that were inside the temple. We read about the ark, the aron. We read about the shulchan, the bread that had the table that had the showbread as part of the avodah, as part of the service. And we also read about the mizbeach, the altar that was used to burn the fragrant incense inside of the temple. And what's interesting is that the Torah tells us that these three objects, these three sacred vessels, all had a zer zahav saviv, a golden crown attached to the top of these vessels to adorn them. But what's remarkable is that if you look at the verses carefully, something very perplexing emerges. When it comes to the, to the Ketores, the Mizbeach HaKetores, the altar that was used for the incense, it says, lo, you should make for it. When it comes to the Shulchan, the table, it says, lo, you should make for it. But when it comes to the Ark, to the Aron, it says, alav, you should place on it. Why the difference of language? Rabbeinu Bachai, the great 14th century scholar, explains that these three vessels represented different elements of Judaism. He argues that the shulchan, the table, well, that represents the malchus. It represents the monarchy. And the zer zahav, that golden crown around the table, that represents the keser malchus. It somehow alludes symbolically to the fact that there would be ultimately the Davidic dynasty, the monarchy, the kings of Israel. And the Torah is telling us, this crown that was on top of the table, it is, it's designated solely for the descendants of, the king, of King David, and it represents the future of the Jewish monarchy. When it came to the altar, 
Rabbeinu Bachai explains similarly, there should be a golden crown on top of it because that represents the Kesar Kahuna. It represents the, the crown of the priests, the, the Kohanim, the priests that would be the descendants of Aaron. And the Torah is telling us this altar, it represents the future dynasty, the, the, the hereditary line that would come from, from Aaron, from Aaron, the Kohanim, the priests. The Kesar, that, that crown that was on top of the ark, well, that represents the Keser Torah, the crown of Torah. That, explains Rabbeinu Bachai, ain lo Yerusha. There, there's no one who has any kind of hereditary claim to the Torah. No one can go ahead and say, well, I'm not a descendant of someone, so I'm not, the Torah isn't for me. That's why the Torah uses a different language, vasisa alav, place on it, as if to tell us and allude to the fact that the Torah, well, that doesn't find any kind of hereditary line. Anyone who wants to go ahead and grab the Torah, you can participate. And the crown of the Torah, the zer zahav, that crown that went around that Torah, that went around the ark, well, that's accessible to anyone. Anyone can go ahead and grab hold of it. That's how Rabbeinu Bachai explains the discrepancy in the verses. And it always troubled me. Why does the Torah need to highlight the fact that the Torah doesn't follow any kind of Yerusha? There's no inheritance. There's no line of, of hereditariness when it comes to the Torah. Of course that's true. Why would I think otherwise? And I believe what the Torah is highlighting is a human tendency to feel that when it comes to our spiritual growth, when it comes to our Torah growth, a lot of times we feel it's inaccessible. It's out of our grasp. It's a goal that's just not attainable. And the Torah has to use different language when it comes to the Ark, which represents the Torah, as a way of highlighting Torah is accessible. Spiritual growth, that's a goal that each and every one of us, we all can attain. Because so many of us feel it's out of our grasp. It's beyond us. And the Torah has to reinforce that notion. No, spirituality, each and every one of us, all of us can grab it. It's not designated to a select few like the priests or like the kings, but rather Torah, that's for everyone. There's a human tendency to feel it's too distant, it's too far, that's too lofty of a goal. I can't really succeed when it comes to my personal development or my spiritual growth. And the Torah is highlighting, you should place on it as if to say, everyone can go ahead and grab the Torah because, because personal growth, Torah growth, even though we feel it's far from us, it's really within our grasp. And I believe what the Torah is highlighting is that things that we feel are too distant, goals that we feel are unattainable, we don't bother trying to achieve them. We need to be reminded that some of our goals, our spiritual goals, our Torah goals, we can achieve it. We can accomplish it. And the Torah needs to remind us that so we don't give up. Florence Chadwick got onto that boat. Not surprisingly, she went ahead and she told reporters, she said, look, had I known how close my goal was, of course I had enough strength, I had enough left in my tank, I would have been able to achieve my goal, but I gave up because I didn't think my goal was attainable. I didn't know where my goal was. Had I realized it was so close, of course I would have had the strength to achieve it. Not surprisingly, two months later, when Florence Chadwick got back into the water to try and attempt to swim from Catalina Island back to the coast of California, Yet again, a thick fog settled in on her second attempt. And what do you think happened? Sure enough, Florence Chadwick would later say, state that she imagined in her mind, she pictured the coast of California, and she, ne she determined, I'm not going to give up. And sure enough, she became the first woman to swim the channel from Catalina Island to California. She went ahead and focused. Her goals are, are attainable. 
So often in life, we feel like we're swimming in a fog. We don't know where our goals are. We don't think that our goals are accessible. They're not achievable. We have to take the inspiration of the Torah. Our spiritual growth, our Torah growth, it's within our grasp. Let's not give up. Let's be like Florence Chadwick and recognize, even though we might not feel that we're really accomplishing anything, we absolutely are. Our spiritual growth, our Torah growth, our personal growth, it's within our grasp. Keep on swimming.